Hello, homies. Can you believe it's almost a wrap for 2021? Where did the time go? But not to fear, we have, I'd say, at least three more episodes that I'm going to try and squeeze in before the end of 2021. And today's episode is with Meta Mitchell, all the way from Edmonton. Now, she's a very clever homeopath who has launched two apps this year. One of them is based on the Helios 36 Remedy Kit and the other on the Birth Kit, also from Helios. She also has an online subscribers club, which teaches lay people how to use homeopathy. So we definitely struck a chord there because both of us are passionate about teaching the general public how to use homeopathy for themselves and take back their power. There are some a couple of hot topics that we touch on in this interview. There's a couple of interesting remedies that Meta mentions in there. One of them is a combination remedy that I'm definitely going to be using myself. And it's just a really fun interview with lots of great information. I hope you enjoy it and catch you soon. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout podcast, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we are hanging out with homeopath and mother, Meta Mitchell, all the way from Edmonton. Welcome, Meta. Thank you. <laughs> now, you have a very unusual name. Whereabouts are you from originally? So I'm from Denmark. From yeah. Denmark, excellent. Uh, yes, and I have, a, I have a little bit of, no, or, or quite a bit of Norwegian blood as well, but you know, as a good European, we are a mix from many things. So I would say I'm mainly Danish, but Norwegian and maybe a little bit German too. <laughs> excellent. Well, I know not to mess with the Vikings, so I'll keep my questions <laughs> to the point. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> so Meta, can you tell us a bit about how you first got into homeopathy? Yes, I can, uh, because it was through my baby. And that's the way that it is for so many of us. But uh, I became a mother to a beautiful child, a daughter, my daughter in 2006. Uh, but unfortunately, there were some complications uh, in her health. So she, first of all, she was premature. So she was six weeks premature. So we spent some time in hospital there, so eight days, which is not a long time at the neonatal ward. So that was good. But then when she was four months old, then she got meningitis. Uh, and that time it was viral meningitis. So you find out that it's viral meningitis after a couple of days. Uh, so you know that it's not the dangerous one, it's, but still unpleasant and, and, and not good. Uh, but we got discharged um, after a week or so with that. And then when she was seven months old, then she got bacterial meningitis. And that was with the whole horror scenario, lumbar punctures. And, and she was put into an induced coma in the end and, you know, transported between hospitals and uh, just all that, that drama. So with, when she had bacterial meningitis, we were in hospital for five weeks. And, and during that time, she more or less all the time had some kind of medication going into her. Mm. Um, so when we came out, she made a perfect recovery. She didn't have any disabilities after it. She didn't have any, there's like horrible, horrible, so many horrible things that can happen with meningitis and septicemia with amputations and skin grafts mm. and all of that jazz, but none of that. So we came out and then through that time where she was in hospital, I had spoken to a osteopath almost every day. An osteopath, I took her to after uh, her birth and, and, and so on. 
And when she couldn't poop, <laughs> you knew what to do and then she would yeah. poop. And you need to have those helpers when you have your babies. So I had, no, just amazingly, I just want to mention it because I just, mm. I get so, I get, really get moved when I think I spoke to this guy every day for five weeks wow. and he just gave me such good advice and calmed me down. And he even knew some of the doctors and could tell me stuff about them and Mm. got me in touch it was just so extraordinarily helpful and so then when I we got discharged he was so pretty a couple of days later I, I booked myself in to come and see him and we went in to see him and he checked her out and we were talking and and then I uh, said oh I should must also have like a tap with you that uh, I should pay this time and then he just waved his hand and Aww. just let me understand that uh, that was on the house wow <laughs> uh, Wow. Yeah, and and that just really, really moved me. It, it was mm. it was such a gener generous gesture mm. of him, you know. So honestly, I, I'm still paying off on that one. So, but <laughs> but now with my patients, and you know, sometimes you get that special patient where you just you're just there a little bit extra. So I know his his motivation mm. now. Pay it forward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, then I also talked to him about getting uh, my daughter detoxed uh, from all the medication that mm. she had had through her. It was a lot. And it was mm. a lot of different things. A lot of, she had been on all antibiotics under the sun. She was even on antiviral at some points. And wow. of course she was in the coma. So all the medication that follows with that. And then she was on anti-seizure medication. Mm. And there was just so many things. So once we got her off everything, then I was like, okay, and now I would like to adjust her body and help her body. It was just like a more like an, an instinctive thing and, and just get all of this detoxed. Mm. And then at the same time, I was like, okay, you know, there are certain things that I freak out about. I had, I had post-traumatic stress after that experience. I, I was a freaky mom for a couple of, of years mm. where, you know, I would check her temperature obsessively and, you know, like, mm. yeah, the, very close to being crazy at some points for sure. Yeah, but you can imagine. I, I had a big of concern about temperature because that's like such a big indication of, of the, of meningitis and the septicemia. And then also when you have a child that has, fits or seizures or something like this then you're concerned that uh, a fever may trigger it mm. um, so I wanted to find alternative fever medication so I that's actually where I started I just started looking out for that mm. and then one day the homeopath uh, that I had my daughter detox with because that was the suggestion from from the osteopath that I took her to a homeopath to get that done uh, so that was like my first real meeting with homeopathy. But then she said to me, uh, one day when I came, she said, you know what, I'm having a little social next week where I have invited some of my patients and I'm just going to give a brief introduction to homeopathy and how you can use it at home yourself. And I was like, fantastic. I already know what my first question is. <laughs> <laughs> so I came to that and then I bought a little kit for mm -hmm. a, a box with 36 homeopathic remedies and then I just took that with me and I was like and of course I learned that belladonna was the one I was after uh, for the temperature and lots of other things but mostly it was like I got this little box of remedies and then I just decided to take it with me everywhere I went 
And if somebody was complaining about something, I would just be, hang on a second, and then look up in the little book and say, try this. Mm, beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> and then I just started having people saying, oh, my God, I feel better now. Or, you know, so I got really amazed with it. Amazing. At, at what stage then did you decide to go and study to become a homeopath? Yeah, that, that was like, because, you know, like b before I became a mother, I had this cool job where I worked with interior design for a Scandinavian furniture chain for a Danish furniture chain. So not a Swedish one, a Danish one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we were all thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so that was like, uh, you know, kind of job that would take me around to a lot of exciting places all over the world because I would open new shops or new stores for them. But then it was like, after I went through this whole experience with my daughter, I just didn't get excited about that anymore. It simply became too superficial because I had a very deep experience and trauma, of course, with going through that whole story with my daughter. So, you know, before I would have sat in meetings and argued for a certain wall color. And I was just like, I, I don't care. I just don't care <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I need to do something else with my life. So that took some time. And then, of course, with the stress and so on. But I was using all the homeopathy. I was trying to do different things. I did some creative consulting and I worked with some jewelry. But then one night I watched Eat, Pray, Love, Believe It or Not, <laughs> with oh, Julia wow. Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then there was an incident there where... She's uh, having an accident on a bike and then she goes to the herbal doctor to get it treated. And, and when they're treating it, of course, she's coming in with the wound mm -hmm. to get that treated. And, and the doctor treats the wound and puts some herbs on them, whatever. And then after two minutes, she's pushing her somewhere on the knee and says, oh, I can see it's a long time ago since you had sex. <laughs> <laughs> and then the real healing conversation started. Oh, wow. And then I got this insight that with homeopathy and when I was using it, it's like homeopathy is the remedy is just the door. Mm. And then from that, we have these, we have these ailments and we can treat it with a remedy. So you could maybe say the remedy is a key in the door. And then we mm. open the door and then we get to all the juicy stuff mm -hmm. or the really interesting things. Mm -hmm. So I realized that uh, because I had been a little bit maybe not understanding exactly what homeopathy was in it to treat a sore throat or I don't know. But I got this sudden insight there. And then I was like, oh, my God, I have to study homeopathy. I lived in London at the time. So I went on Google. I'm like, where can you study homeopathy? Um, and then I was like, oh, you can get a bachelor degree. And oh, I, was, I was looking at that. And then I looked at that. And then they said, open house on Sunday. <laughs> that's always the way isn't it <laughs> the universe <laughs> yes. has its ways <laughs> wow. exactly so I went to that open day and signed mm. up and then the whole then it started that center for homeopathy education where you studied have the most amazing lectures and I've been a member of their professional development uh, training for I think about three years now and yes. oh they have such good lecturers and of course Hilary Dorian's got to be my all-time favorite I can't rave enough about her but um, that aside, what do you think is the role of a homeopath? Like, how do you see the role of a homeopath play out? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. It's, I think one of the things that we learn at Center for Homeopathic Education, it is that we, we kind of 
take the model to practice from that fits the patient the best. So, of course, it, it depends on what people are, are coming in with. But when, we ha- when, when I feel like I'm having like a really, really good relationship with a patient where, where we get down to it and, and do a lot of work, then I find that you just have a health practitioner where you can talk about inherited trauma from your grandparents, for instance, and you can say this happened in my lineage and this is what I know happened to my lineage and it seems to me that I'm having some of the behavior uh, or, or, or symptoms or diseases. Um, I think also, you know, it's a place where you can sit with somebody that might realize that what you're dealing with is something that happened, for instance, before you even had a language and therefore it's difficult for you to express what it is that is happening with you. But then you get somebody that can sit there and look at you from the outside and hear everything that you say and with all the information that you get and then you can go, oh, I wonder if it was something that happened when you were born because mm. you, you know yeah. because and it, it, that you can you can get to to that kind of stuff um, mm. it's not something not you're course, going to talk about at your gp is it exactly mm. and it's such a trauma of any kind it's just mm. it it means everything to your health mm. so i think that you get somebody that gets really engaged in you with your health if you if you want to and if you're happy mm. to to go on this journey there's also i think in homeopathy we have long relationships with our patients so they can also change and then so then you get to stuff later on maybe once you understand what it is that you can do and mm. maybe you had somebody else another practitioner say something to you that made you remember i can't there's there's so many ways in but but it's just I think there's so much grace in being able to uh, understand that your lineage has a huge impact on who you are. We have such a big culture of blaming ourselves for this and that. But, you know, sometimes we're just maybe healing trauma from past generations. Mm. And when once we can think about it in that way, then it's also so much easier to forgive. And as a patient, you know, to mm. say, oh, wow, really, you know, and then you maybe start understanding why your mother is in this way. Or, yeah, you know, absolutely. It just opens up for the whole story. And you also you get the great opportunity, you know, the, the best place to say, well, I had headaches since my mother died mm. or since absolutely. my brother died. It's like, you know, if you went even just to say that at the doctor, then maybe you'll get a little smile <laughs> or something. But it's yeah. not like he's going to have anything to offer for that information, it would still be painkillers. Mm. But if you if you say that to the homeopath, then it's just like, good, okay, let's, okay, what mm. were the circumstances around your mother's death? Or, and then you can talk about that and, and we can mm. get remedies for it. Absolutely. It's not like you're going to be sharing all of this and then have nothing to walk away with. We have one of our, you know, 8,000 plus, I keep losing track. I heard the other day, there's now 8,600 remedies, but we actually have one of those remedies that's going to match your exact symptoms for why that headache started and what you experienced. And, you know, everyone's experience of grief or trauma is different. So what was your unique experience and what is the remedy that matches that so that it can heal you on a very deep mental, emotional, physical, spiritual level? Exactly. 
Yeah. So what sort of cases do you like treating in your clinic? I have to say that my favorite is babies. I just Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I just love babies, you know, mm. I know I say I like talking about all of these things, but I really, really like treating kids mm. um, because the, the feedback is so immediate. I mean, even when you're treating a baby, you're, you're treating on observation and, and from what the mother tells you or the father, t the family tells you. And it's like our constitutions are not drained down by years and years of added mm. trauma. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's it, true. It, yeah, I think it is with, with all our other patients, maybe we are trying to get back to that state of the baby and say, what state were you in as a baby right mm. so so I, re I really really do enjoy that I, also because I love hooking babies That's yeah like me too <laughs> I do too yes. I love when you you know if you're lucky enough to get a mum early on and she you know with the fertility stuff and you get that photo of the positive pregnancy test and then the photo of the belly and then the photo of the baby it's the best <laughs> it will always yeah, bring yeah. a tear to my eye <laughs> I also get excited for these babies that come in And they get treated with homeopathy right from the start because you just know it's going to make the rest of their lives so much easier when you can actually have a hand on that right from the beginning instead of suppressing symptoms. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I say to people sometimes. It's like, please come in with the dry elbows. You know, don't wait until there's itching for two hours. <laughs> you know, you can come in with really, really small things and then we can really take it early on treat it early on so we don't have to get the other symptoms i also love the some of the people that where i've seen them for a long time mm. and you know maybe you have gone through crisis with them and been able to help them and be there for them and offer something uh, you know for those crises and then see them get through this crisis and then you don't see them For a long time and then <laughs> yeah and then they come back again and it's like I know so much about these patients right mm. we know so much about them that that we know that their mother died we know that they have a thing with their boss we know so much already and the conversations they get so rich of course always with the aim to find a remedy yeah I always say to my clients I'm always here when you need me because some of them I might not have seen for a year and then they're like oh I'm sorry I haven't been here I'm like that's fine just come and see me when you need to you don't like you're not locked into a contract I'm here whenever you need me and if some of them might have taken medication when I might have suggested a safer alternative or something like that and they're like oh I sorry I went on that I'm like no it's your health it's your choice I'm here to support whatever you decide. Like I'm completely non-judgmental. I'm only here to support. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. Have you got some cases from your clinic that you'd like to share, Meta? I would share, I would share my favorite case okay. ever. And it involves a child that was big enough to give hugs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Willingly. Yeah. <laughs> Offering the hugs. Not yeah. <laughs> not forcing. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think actually. I was still a student. Yes, I was in my I was in my fourth year of studying, and I started practicing halfway through uh, the training. Uh, and then, of course, you know, as a homeopathy student and super cheap, and where I would need extra time and call people back and blah, blah, all of those things. But this mother, she she, uh, she rang me and she was like, "Okay, I just have a feeling that that you're the one that are going to help us." Yeah. And I was like, "Okay." And then she explained that his son, he had some inflammation happening in the saliva glands. And I don't know if you ever tried having pain in your saliva glands, if you eat something that is 
jagging down in the jaw you get like a shooting pain down there it's like i i know i tried that or had had the the mumps and and know the pain from that but he he got pain attacks in his saliva glands uh, two times sometimes in a, in a week and it mm -hmm. was so painful that he would lay down on his back and scream. I think he was maybe six years old or seven years old. And he had been to so many doctors and this was completely affecting the whole family because, and, and there was also a younger sibling. And then of course the mom and the dad. And of course it's very difficult to have people look after a, a child in, in that, that gets this and, you know, kind of like with nothing to give to help it. That was the thing. And also I got this, you know, you know what I, what I found out also like that, like this kid, he was also, he didn't like that his parents had to worry so much about him. He didn't actually want this attention. The problem was that he kept getting inflamed. It kept getting inflamed in the saliva glands. Penicillin or any other kind of antibiotic mm. just didn't reach it. Mm. So it was like the inflammation just stayed there. And the next thing that this family had been offered, it was to get an operation where they would cut him open and flush out oh. the, the glands. And oh. they didn't want to do that. They, mm. And they had done a lot with diet already they had gone dairy free and gluten free and stuff for a year's time and that worked for a year's time and then it stopped working mm. so it was like okay but but she was like I just know that you are the one that's going to help and I was like oh shit no pressure <laughs> mm -hmm. and as a student I saw and all of that but you mentioned Hilary Dorian. Mm -hmm. So I remembered a prescription from Hilary Dorian. And I think that one of one of the things that Hilary Dorian, she's also very good at, she's, things are so simple every time mm. you listen to her and, and, and her advice. And, and she has a huge knowledge about the remedies, but I never find that she has complicated pre uh, prescriptions. So I, I kind of kept that in mind. Keep it simple. Keep, don't get overwhelmed mm. by the violence of this or like, so I decided to use a drainage remedy that I had used uh, uh, before for uh, glue ears. So I don't know, do you say glue ears as, mm -hmm, as that's well? Right. Yeah, yeah. So which is a little combination remedy uh, of calibic and hydrastis and pulsatilla. And in a low potency, daily, you know, if need be, you can give it more often uh, uh, during the day. And then I'm pretty sure I gave him uh, a kelp cup. 30 once a week or something like that and then i gave them some aconite and i don't know maybe some i don't know some other things to take home to try if there was this acute experience and they had one more acute experience i'm not really sure if they got to prescribe homeopathic remedies for that but that was the only one then wow. after when we started draining uh, the, the the saliva glands like that so it can drain properly so everything that was in the glands mm -hmm. could get out and out out of the glands out of the body and you know one thing is that you get this mother that is like oh my god I can't believe it and then also because mm -hmm. the symptoms were so violent it was such mm -hmm. a such a huge impact on this mm -hmm. family's life but every time they came to see me this kid he would just run up the stairs and just throw his arms around Aww. me and that's like <laughs> I think the highest recognition you can get as a homeopath that's yes. uh, from a kid get that spontaneous reaction it was oh, so nice it's yeah. so beautiful <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and um you're also very passionate about teaching mothers uh, or the general public how to use homeopathy can you tell us a little bit about the services that you offer absolutely 
And that is, of course, because that's how I started with homeopathy. So mm. I want everybody to have the same pleasure uh, in homeopathy as I do. And pleasure in, in not needing uh, 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 medicine uh, that has that comes with the side effects and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, not that if you need it, go ahead and need it. But if you don't need it, why? Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I, I started out with using the, a, a kit of homeopathic remedies and... I just want everybody to to have that experience. So I have done education, introductory courses, and mm-hmm. so on throughout the time I've been a homeopath. And lately, I also added two apps that can be downloaded at iTunes and Google Play, mm-hmm. where one is for like for general minor things that we treat at home and that's like a mini introductory light version of my online club. Uh, which can be found on my website where there's a ton of material on how to use homeopathy yourself at home based on 36 homeopathic remedies. Amazing. And some additions, yes. And then I do these little online things and Mm -hmm. just get a lot of people introduced to homeopathy. Mm -hmm. That's what I really want. So for the people listening, what are some of the things that they can look forward to learning? Can you maybe just give them a little bit of a teaser of a couple of remedies that they will learn about in the course and what it can help with? Yes, yes. So like, for instance, uh, I mentioned uh, uh, Hilary Dorian's uh, mm-hmm. brilliant mix of K-Lipic and Hydrestis and Pulsatilla. And two of those remedies, so k and Pulsatilla, are remedies that I talk about there. So K-Lipic is the remedy we can use to explain boldly, you know, like to make sticky, gluey snot into a thin water that can drain quite easily, basically. (laughs) So... So that's like a remedy that you get to learn about there. And and so if you haven't, you know, that you can use that for, for the kids that has something on the ears. You can use it for your sinus headaches. So that's like two little things that you will be able to, to find information about just by reading about the remedies there. But then I also put up if for instance, if you if you have an emergency where you have a, a burn, where somebody got burned, mm-hmm. there's a whole section on that. What's the first, second, and third degree burn? What what should you do? When should you call a doctor? What's the, what's the red flags? And then homeopathic remedies. And what can I do more than homeopathic remedies? So just to try and give like really hands-on instructions to some of those acute things mm. and smaller things that we treat at home. But then I also like to make little teasers talking about myasm, <laughs> which is the lineage, you know, a lot of people find that very interesting, even though I don't think anybody should prescribe on it for themselves from these online talks, but maybe just lean back and enjoy that health is such a juicy matter with a mm-hmm. lot of aspects that we completely neglect to talk about otherwise Mm -hmm. it's interesting you touched on the miasms it's always a tricky one to explain but it's basically you know our inherited susceptibilities or i sometimes explain the miasmatic remedies as being able to clear our epigenetics you know all the stuff that we've been handed down from our ancestors and it's very funny that you say that because in my group of mums whenever 
I mention this or just give them little tidbits of information, they automatically <laughs> gravitate towards it. And I think it's because instinctively, we all know that we are not here alone. We all come from somewhere. And a, a lot of our stuff is actually genetically handed down from generation to generation. So some people are very intuitive and they can actually go back to their past lives or they can, you know, really know a lot about their um where they come from and they could feel that that's a part of them. So I think instinctively we know that we're not here because it's just us. We come from somewhere. So I think a lot of people resonate with miasmatic remedies, even though they don't completely understand all of it. Because, you know, of course it's like hours and hours and hours of lectures on what it is when you study homeopathy, yes. but just the thought of that, people that could be introduced to the thought of that somehow resonate with it. And yeah, and actually it's funny because I remember the first time I saw my essence on the timetable when I was studying, I was like, what the, what is that? I was like, I just want to learn about the remedies. I don't want, what is that? I don't, I didn't yeah. even know we had to study this. And then you get so overwhelmed by the topic. Hmm. But now I sometimes think that that's all I'm treating. You know, hmm. it's, it's, it's like, it's like the miasmatic remedy. It's a, it's a lineage hmm. and then it's pollution. It just seems. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So many, Toxic onslaughts from everywhere these days, hey? Yeah. Uh-huh. Speaking uh-huh. of toxic onslaughts, <laughs> can we just <laughs> yes. super quickly touch on um, the Children's Health Defense? I'd love to know how you got into that. And, and I know you're not part of it anymore, but how did you get mm-hmm. into that? And, and what was that like? Yeah, that was such a huge gift. It it was uh, when I moved to Edmonton, I, I moved uh, from Copenhagen and I moved to Copenhagen from, from England, from London. And in that short time I was in Denmark, I got myself a little bit of a reputation as somebody you could talk to about vaccines and meaning also on the news and on radio wow. and, and stuff like that. So when you needed someone to take the unpopular stance, mm. <laughs> then I was one of the people that you were the brave one. To. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, so Denmark is a very small country. You know, there's only about six million people there, and and it it got quite intense. And I mean, this is a you know the most evil debate you can you mm. can be in. And, and and this was even you know like I don't know when was that in two thousand and. 13 around that time 14 you know you get you get a lot of people writing stuff to you and mm. and so on and saying bad things and I, it got a little bit much and so when I came to Canada I was like well, I think I'm just gonna stay out of it and mm. um, I think mm, maybe I'll just stay a little bit more quiet about it but then they screened uh, wax 2 here yes. and then I was just like no this is my gang and then I just called these girls that were these mothers Mm-hmm. that were putting this screening up uh, here in Edmonton. And then I met the moms that were doing that. And mm-hmm. then when Children's Health Defense arrived in, in um, Canada, then it was natural for them to ask if they knew of anybody that mm-hmm. could, <laughs> could be the provincial director for, for Children's Health Defense in Alberta. And they were like, you think it should be you, Meta? And then uh, I went to an interview and, and got involved with it. And that's, of course... You know, such a it's it's the most important cause. I mean, it is to look after our children. It is it is to make sure that we leave them, you know, a place that with dignity, you know, with with under the way we are destroying it, everything for them right now with drinking water, with me, heavy medication, with medicalized births, and even you know conception and uh, what they're being taught in school, and mm-hmm. and you know 
the air that they breathe you know it's like everything 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 so with the children's health defense going after anybody that has to do with the man-made epidemics that harms our children mm. that's the cases for children's health defense and of mm. course that's like so easy for me to uh, be behind absolutely um, yeah, so so I was very honored and and uh, very very happy to be asked to do that. But then I, it was just like the type of work that needed to be done there, and I think maybe also activism fatigue. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, set in quite quite. I don't know, but mm-hmm. then I was so lucky to meet uh, a woman, Sherry Strong, that is one of. Oh, she was in Australia for so many years. She had like a cooking show and so on there, but and and wrote some some books, of, you know, about good nutrition books. Then I met her and she got involved and then we decided she should take over. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Robert Kennedy yeah. is just unbelievable, hey? Totally. Yeah, yeah, such an incredible man. We're so lucky to have him on this planet Earth. And, um, oh, you know, I always yeah. say don't mess with a mama bear. Like, you know, you don't mess with our kids. If you come out after our kids... Mums are powerful. Do not mess with us. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Mm-mm. How did you get into the whole vaccination debate? So it has a little bit of a, a in-between chapter. So when, you know, it's quite strange to have a child that gets meningitis two times within a couple of months. So mm. every time I, I asked a doctor about uh, okay, so uh, now please give me an explanation. Why did my, my baby get meningitis two times in, in such a short time? Because, of course, I was also interested in avoiding it happening again. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, and, and they just said bad luck. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a weird answer. I think from some of the best doctors in the country, but uh, okay, Um but then I also had another question, and that was if they had actually uh, um, gone on with a different treatment at a certain time, uh, maybe she could, would not have had to have gone into a coma. Mm. So I was interested in if if the treatment that she had, you know, if if that treatment had been a little bit a little bit different, if we could avoid it, mm. having a, a child in intensive care. You just, you, I mean, seriously, you don't want to, you don't want to spend a minute in there. So that became like my first mission to find out uh, uh, what was going on with it, with, with her, with her treatment that she had at that around that time. And also because the doctor, the consultant that we had at Great Ormond, Great Ormond Street Hospital in London. So that's like a pediatric hospital. I think he's Australian okay. too, actually, <laughs> Dr. Novelli. Yeah. So I really love I really love this man so much. You know, he was like the best doctor. We saw a lot of doctors. He was just the top of all of them. Um, and when I asked him about this question, if if my daughter could have been treated differently, he turned into a robot. You know, and wow. it was like, okay, now I don't know you anymore. You know, you mm. okay? Very weird. So to find out about this, it became like this. Ugh. I, I had to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started out by becoming, I guess you can say, like a representative for something called the Meningitis Research Foundation in London, where they were, uh, you know, lobbying to get money for research in, in, in meningitis and, and treatments and so on. And then I came in there with this very dramatic story with a good outcome mm. <laughs> for this course so I, I went out to 
uh, talk about this on different occasions. And so in the House of Commons and, you know, like at conferences about meningitis and blah, blah, blah. But there I then finally got to meet a other and another consultant, you know, like somebody that didn't know our case, but, but it was kind of like a social. And I went there to talk to him. I just went to him and asked him, you know, a little bit of a questions around my daughter's treatment. And if I, if he thought that if she had been treated differently, that maybe we could have stayed out of intensive care. Mm. And then he said, how long did, did you say she got intravenous antibiotics? And I said, for five days. And then he said, oh, but seven days is the protocol. So mm. then I found out, of course, that she was treated against protocol. And maybe if they had treating her according to protocol, she maybe she would have stayed out of ICU. Mm. So then I figured that out. And then in the meantime, I had started studying homeopathy. And I went to see on Colin Griffith that you may have enjoyed also from uh -huh. Center for Homeopathic Education. Yeah. Yes, that He was like a major support for me. He was like, you have to find out. You have to find out you're her mother. You know, he was like, mm -hmm. like okay, if Colin says it, you know, then I believe <laughs> in it. So he sent me to a homeopath, Rick Spike. Um, she's also one of the provers in his books. And she just sat me down and she just said, okay, Mira, you're just going to have to sit down and make a timeline. We're going to have to make a timeline. Let's sit down and do it. And then it was, of course, boom, there was a vaccine. Boom, eight days later, wow. um, the first meningitis. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I can't say that she had meningitis because of a vaccine, but mm -hmm. I know that it's possible for yeah. sure. <laughs> and I know that it's not something that anybody wants to talk about, you know. Mm -hmm. So, just that realization. Mm -hmm. um, And and because I was all of a sudden I understood how dangerous vaccines could be, you know, uh, and I understood also how you be, you know, it's like every doctor that you meet in hospital, the first thing they ask you is, is she up to scratch for the vaccinations, mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, this is so weird. I just it it just this weird vibe around vaccines. And then, of course, in my praxis, I also uh, found out that there was a lot of people that would come and they would say, oh, and we don't vaccinate. And then I couldn't help but ask, so what do you not vaccinate against? And then I realized that it was only the fewest people that even knew what they were not vaccinating for. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, I'm okay in, of course, supporting them in, in, in this choice and so on, but I want to be better than the GP So I, I started to educate people about the different diseases that they didn't vaccinate up, uh, mm -hmm. against so that they would have the information about early warning symptoms and maybe also something about how dangerous it actually is. Mm -hmm. So to take some of the anxiety down uh, when you choose not to vaccinate mm -hmm. um, and to give people the little kit of remedies and say, okay, if you observe these symptoms, then give this remedy. And then you mm -hmm. call me. And if this happens, mm -hmm. then you call a doctor and, you know, just giving people the information so that they have it. So, so that's how, that's how I got into mm -hmm. it. And then I could not believe the kind that, you know, like I was like, when I gave one of these courses where I invited the press inside to come and see what it was that we were doing, I'm like, I got nothing to hide here. Yeah. You know, I am teaching people about mm. these diseases mm. so that they know what to do. They become a resource in their family. They become a resource on the bus. You know, mm. they would be able to 
answer questions about these diseases if anybody mm-hmm. would ask them. And then I talk about homeopathy because I'm a homeopath. So mm-hmm. no real big surprises there, <laughs> you know. But the amount of uh, aggression mm-hmm. that is in this topic, and then I was just like, it shouldn't be the mothers caring for the babies that goes out and takes this fight. Mm-hmm. It's They should just look after the babies, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, we, we're just going to have to take our turns so I said okay my baby is not hanging on my hip anymore so I was like okay I'll go out and I'll talk Mm. about this I do always find it very bizarre that we can talk about antidepressants we can talk about heart medication we can talk about you know um antipyretics we can talk about antibiotics we can talk about any pharmaceutical medication but somehow when we talk about vaccinations, people go crazy. And I can never understand why we're not allowed to question it. We're allowed to question every other medication. What is it about vaccination that's just another pharmaceutical medication that we're not even allowed to talk about it? Like it sometimes feels to me like the world has gone mad and people have lost all common sense because if you are not even allowed to ask a question about something without being dragged over the coals, that should give you massive warning signs, not just about vaccination, about anything. If you're not allowed to talk about it, you know, there's probably a really good reason behind it. But I do not understand why we're not even allowed to discuss it. Yeah. So yeah, we really need to question that, the mentality yeah. behind why people react the way they do to this topic. Why is that? That is where the root of your disease is. Like go into that and question yourself. Why do you feel about this topic the way you do? What is behind that? What is the fear behind that? And as homeopaths, when we have our clients come in, we always go, okay, so you mentioned the example earlier about the headache that started when the mum passed away. So what is it about your mum passing that affected you the most? And this is the same that I feel with this craziness that's going on is go behind that. Why are you so afraid to talk about this? Why are we not allowed to question this? You know, I guess I mean, there's many reasons. You can usually follow the Mali Trail, and it's a it's a trillion dollar business. But yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's a good place to start. <laughs> good yeah. place to start. But you know, yeah. w- let us at least explore it. Talk about it rationally, without any of the emotion attached. Just go behind all of behind all of this. What's the reason behind all of it? And then, you know, go from there. It was actually one of the things I said. Uh, I said that in, in in one interview for for the news, and where they were saying, "But if you're not vaccinating uh, your child, are you not just not letting other people carry the burden? And are you not just being uh, antisocial?" And it's like, you know what? Actually, I don't think that we. I don't think it's good for this debate to bring emotions into it mm-hmm. because that really blurs the picture. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's a much it's much better discussion to have in a rational way. You know, and to sit down and look at, okay, what are the what are the questions? What is it that there is in a vaccine? Just sit down and look at it from from a completely rational perspective, mm-hmm. but it's like it becomes emotional mm. just the mm-hmm. second that yeah. you even say the word. And, mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to have a rational discussion or talk uh, mm-hmm. about about vaccines for for God knows mm-hmm. what reason. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, I like to finish the episode off on a little bit of fun. So I always mm-hmm. ask my guests, what is your top three homeopathic remedies that you cannot live without? 
Oh my God, I heard you ask that question. <laughs> uh, so I was like, oh, what is it? What is it? But I know that I have one combination remedy from Narayani remedies. I don't know if you know them. I use some of this uh, stuff, yeah. CCA, yes. of course. Hillary got me onto that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. That's just like God's gift to homeopaths in the winter. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I love that remedy and I love mm -hmm. giving it um, to my patients uh, to mm -hmm. take home and just to have that bottle of it at home. It's so funny because almost every time when you prescribe a remedy, then you're like, mm -hmm. oh, that's such a good remedy. I know. <laughs> it's really <laughs> the impossible question. I just do it to really yeah. <laughs> to yeah. make, make, them, make a homeopath squirm because, you know, we have so many good ones. How could you possibly choose? But it's also yes. an opportunity for people to learn about some other remedies. And that's also yeah. true. But I have another, you know, and, and, and it's, it's a little bit with these, poly, uh, with these remedies, the combination remedies, mm -hmm. but... I have to say that I really do like them. And another uh, combination remedy that has snuck in under the radar with me uh, simply because of the awesome, the great feedback I get from people taking it, that's the polybalnoso. Mm. It seems like a, a shortcut, but it's a really good one. I think that that's like, so the, so the balnoso, yeah, I don't know, do you, Do you talk about the balanozoid? Oh, yeah, I'm passionate about them. Literally not a client of mine walks out without a balanozoid. But I, I usually prescribe them more specifically after Hillary's lecture, but I often yeah. do the polybel. Um, and we now have a polybel plus, which actually has digestive enzymes and candida added to the mix Ooh. as well. And that one is really good too. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I will look out for that one. Yeah. And if I should think about a third one, I think I like suya a lot. Mm. Suya. Yes. And I remember uh, learning about it in school. And I also know that I was not feeling confident enough to prescribe that for many years until, yeah. you know, after a long time in praxis. But because Duya has this hidden mm. element to it, it's almost like I can't see it. Mm. I don't know. It's like, it's almost like just that things seem secret can be a hint that. Mm that suya is a remedy and it's it's definitely the remedy i enjoy studying the most mm. i find that's very interesting just a very very interesting remedy I think Thuya can almost be a miasmatic remedy in itself hey it's just yeah such yeah. an incredible remedy yeah yeah now meta how can people get hold of you and we'll have it in the show notes but just tell us how we can get hold of you so download my apps <laughs> app yeah <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of hard work that went into that. So do go download it. <laughs> yes. And, and people do like them, I have mm. to say. So, so that's like a very easy way to get something on your phone that is actually useful. <laughs> and, and also there are the Materia Medica, so they're the explanation of remedies. So if you think that your friend should take a remedy, you can screenshot it and just send it in a message. And, and so it's like you just got so much information there. And that's called homeopathy Lee. So it's just to make the spelling of homeopathy a little bit more difficult, but homeopathy <laughs> Lee. So L-Y. Yeah. And that's also my website, homeopathylee.com. Uh, so that's a good word to, to search for. And then you can, I mean, there's the app uh, for everyday stuff. And then there's one for childbirth as well that takes you complete through childbirth with 18 homeopathic remedies. And, and then the, on the website, there are the, courses and the clubs and all of that mm -hmm. well meta it has been so much fun connecting with you thank you so much and i um, really appreciate your time 
Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. <laughs> <Chat soon. laughs> bye. Yes. Bye bye.